Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6. So we're well into our discussion about the news of the week and my libertarian take on that. A few things have come up. First of all, the big news, our big discussion has been about the Brexit, about the UK exiting the EU. They took a referendum of the people, and the people decided on a fairly close, almost even split, that they wanted to exit the EU. And the EU has basically the free movement of people, goods, services, capital. The UK didn't adopt the euro. So it's not as complicated as it could be. But what you're not hearing is that this is just a suggestion. The referendum is non-binding. Parliament could overturn that or just ignore it. They'd get political repercussions, obviously. But the way the actual rule works is Parliament has to notify the EU of its intention to exercise its right to secede, basically, under Article 50, and then negotiate over two year or more if they agree to more longer period time where they uh, replace their agreements with new agreements, whatever. So I'm not sure. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. But is it really a a blow for liberty, no matter if it gets uh, subverted by the political class or not? I think this is a good thing. Do you or people are excited about it? Uh, do you like it? Why? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier is our relationship with the UN. It's not as binding as the EU. I mean, the, the EU, I, I felt like, I didn't see it, but the last straw was, so the UK and France are really participate in this basically bombing the crap out of Middle Eastern countries who have secular Arab leaders who keep these radicals in jail. They blow up these countries, Libya, Syria, and the prisons open, the people come out, they flood Europe. Gaddafi used to use immigration, the threat of immigration from Africa, as a weapon against Europe. So now that he's gone, the floodgates are open, all this kind of stuff. And the Euro, the EU got so bold about making it Europe's problem. And I think just to get people to buy into further aggression in the Middle East to just because they're being told that would contain the problem, which it wouldn't. But they got to the point where the EU said, take these 
refugees, if you if you do refuse the quota of refugees that we assign to you, we will fine you. I believe it was three hundred thousand dollars per refugee refused that was allocated to you. So that alone could be enough to get you to want out. Now it's that kind of thing is being pa- painted as racism and whatever, but you don't have to look at it as a as a racist thing uh, there there are there, yes there is racism in the world there is uh there's xenophobia like fear of the outsiders but there's also and but this is actually fining people for not taking a refugee that your own government's illegal policies have created but even that what what the britons were actually from me piecing the puzzles together what they really didn't like was the strain this stuff was putting on their fragile overtaxed systems particularly their healthcare system. But I wanted to address just for a second this cult, the idea of culture. This is what it's being painted as they don't want their culture changed. And I think it's much more about straining their social safety net. But even as far as culture goes, part, I think, of the attack of the West onto the Middle East is they really want to subordinate this resource rich area. And one of the ways they do it is by destroying culture. And religion, because those are things that can be used as a strength against world government, about against statism generally, modern state materialism. I read a quote earlier by Barry Goldwater saying that that the powers that be want to institute worldwide materialism that they then can control. So one of the reasons, and I also had a caller saying, you know, we've been talking about the Constitution, the value of the Constitution. For me, as a libertarian, I see that the Constitution failed to hold back government, that limited government is not possible. Self-limiting government is not possible. Otherwise, we would have gotten it here in this great American experiment. But I still support and uphold and defend the Constitution because it is this clear rallying point, this agreement that we can all really, you know, to the extent there are compromises, we're all behind the Constitution. It gives us uh, a strength to fight anybody who encroaches on that body of law, and that is a huge problem for the UN. I would say the Bill of Rights, you know, uh, along with this culture and religion and stuff, but the Bill of Rights as a tangible thing is the greatest barrier to world government because if the UN doesn't get the U.S. to succumb to taxes and uh, the use of force at the world level, nobody's going to do it. So they have to subordinate us. They have to get rid of the Bill of Rights. So I do defend the Constitution for that reason other reasons too, but but it really matters that the people, this is what I'm trying to say, it really matters that the people are on the same page, even if the page is not perfect, and no page is ever perfect, it's do- it doesn't look as good from the outside as it does from the inside, you can't look at foreign countries and be like, man, that page is a terrible mess, you know, but if we're all on the same page, we can fight the power, that's another reason they like to really divide us, then I almost wonder if that's some of the reason that the Brexit thing is being pumped up in the way it is, that it's very divisive. It's a 50-50 vote almost. People are already protesting. Uh, they're already signing petitions for a revote. It's becoming very divisive, and that is a huge plus for the power elite. They love to divide us because then we can't resist. 404 
1-800-WSB-TALK. I am going to Alan. Alan, you are on uh, with Monica. How are Hi, you? Hi, Monica. Good to Hi. hear your voice. Thank you. You too. What do you got? Well, uh, all I can say is rural Britannia. And uh, just as a background of who I am, I've been investing since 1979. And as an ERISA fiduciary manager of my client's 401k plans, I invest millions. So I watch it very closely with what was going on this week. And I will tell you, the long-term repercussions for England are fantastic because the devaluation of the pound is going to really explode their manufacturing sector. I was thinking, Alan, I don't don't want to derail you. I'm just going to chime in that... All over Fox, past couple of days, and every you know, all the mainstream outlets, it's like this is a lose lose for Europe and England. I'm like, it, it can't possibly be a lose lose. You know, somebody's going to win. It's not a zero sum game. It's somebody is going to win, and I would think it was the UK because they're stronger and they're going to have this independence. And uh, and yes, I love the pound. So I immediately sent my husband an email saying <sighs> we have to buy pounds or buy stuff in pounds. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna you know whatever. We'll figure it out. But I said act immediately. Immediately, because the pound never gets this low. Never has it ever been this low. Well, see now. One thing I will. I this is the creeping thing about incrementalism. You you just fell into one of the, the pitfalls that allows socialism to creep into people's minds. Economics is not a zero sum. It's not a zero sum. No, it's not. No, it's you. See, now you correct yourself. That's very cool. I corrected myself is, in the sentence. It is not a zero sum. I totally know that, of course. Exactly. Yes. Now the point is, is um, what's going to happen with uh, England socially? Uh, I'll just not bore people with the economic side of it, but it's going to be a good thing for them. The next thing, because uh, their exports are going to go up, uh, it's going to bring in new monies. Uh, and, and greater employment for those that are uh, of the working class. And we have to remember that the English uh, have always been, until the tw- later 20th century, were very good at manufacturing. That's why people in the South would buy stuff from England and France uh, during the uh, Industrial Revolution because what was happening in the in the Northeast. And they uh, bought the cotton from the South in the U.S. They competed exactly. with the, the North. And, you will see that you will see that revive Alan, in England. You think uh, that this is going to stick? You don't think that Parliament's going to screw the people over? Well, the, the the interesting thing is, is when you look at a broader scope and we pull back over the years, and you see where England has been, and you look back after World War II, where they swallowed the poison pill of socialized medicine, and uh, you have people like Mike Myers making fun of people from England with funny yellow crooked teeth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they got they got sick and tired of it. Um, I'm not surprised that it being a 50-50, very close vote because you have to remember they come from a kingdom, and that's one of the reasons why uh, uh, here in America that kind of so- strong centralized government the, the average Joe revolts against it, whereas in Europe that's been a part of their life for centuries. Yes, and I I know why, Alan. Let me tell you, or I should say, I have a gut feeling of what makes this whole socialism thing different there than it is here. It's foreign to us. It's it's taking control because of the promises of free goodies. But here's why there they think of it as a moral position. They look at the core, you know, the the kingdoms and stuff like that. Those people at the top who are exploitive 
we can say whether they were or not, but let's just say feudalism, serfdom, all that kind of stuff was exploitive. And, and those people actually still have the money and the land. I mean, you can see like, you know, Baron Rothschild square or whatever, and they're still around. And so when the people see that, they say, well, obviously we're never getting any of the control back. They've already taken, uh, bought up all the land. There's no kind of land to frontier or anything. The only way to get some back is to get them to write a check. And that's not the way it is here. We had entrepreneurial opportunities. We don't have all inherited wealth. There is land to buy, or at least it's changing now. They have to change that in order to get us to think there's an inherently unjust system that we need the government to correct. That's what I well, think the is the only, I, I hate to interrupt because I know it's in a, in a matter of time because you're on radio, but you have to remember also here in America, the only way you can really have people buy into wealth redistribution is to lie to them and to or to make the system actually unfair to actually prevent them from competing with the big guy more on this thank you and uh, jim lenny robert hang on you can also call 800 wsb talk this is monica perez monica perez on news 95.5 at am 750 wsb 96 degrees outside the studio, hot and humid still. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I just got a tweet. Whoa, you are a fighter for liberty, but support, quote, secular Arab dictators? You might be confused. He's referring to a comment I made earlier, which maybe I just sloughed or breezed through it. But when people talk about the refugee crisis they and use it as a political weapon... They never seem to talk about the fact that our interventions into these foreign countries, whether you like the governments or you don't, or you want to replace them with something better, or you want to replace them with something worse. As a libertarian, I'm a non-interventionist, and the refugee crisis is a direct result of illegal, immoral interventions in foreign countries. That's just what it is. So you can say, how are you going to deal with this mess now if you want to? But it's important to look back and see how we got into this mess. Usually it's a violation of principles. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Jim. Jim, I'm dying to hear what you have to say. Uh, You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Always enjoy your, your thought-provoking show. Hey, uh, for, for you know this, but for some of your listeners that may not have had the opportunity to travel much in Europe and the U.K., um, I've had the privilege of being over there several times on business trips, and it's clear to me after being over there several times, even after the first time, that primarily the folks in the U.K. do not think of themselves as Europeans. And so I wasn't all that surprised with the results. Plus, I think we all have to remind each other here in the U.S. that our society is much different than theirs, that they're a class-based society. And with the exception of the college-educated, the elites who view themselves as Europeans, the large majority of U.K. voters think of themselves very proudly as citizens of the UK and they just don't identify themselves as Europeans. I I agree. Uh, they don't. I, I have known many Brits. They don't identify themselves as Europeans. I got a tweet from a British expat here saying the exact same thing today. I got that. And when I looked at the map of how this vote shook out, it was Northern Ireland and Scotland voted to remain in the EU because they aren't don't consider themselves British. Mm-hmm. I think I mean I don't want to put words yep. in their mouths, but that's yep. my feeling. That's right. And then London 
voted to stay in the EU. And by coincidence, my husband had a friend over uh, while this was going on this week from Europe, from London, from England, from London, saying it's all about the money. I mean, those guys are the money guys, and they know that for them personally, maybe it's just the assets they hold or forward-looking financial business. They want to stay in the EU for the money. But everybody else, just your regular uh, English people in the in all the outlying areas and every place else on that map was for uh, to to leave. Exactly. And I would suggest, let me run this by you, one of the comments, if I may, I believe that language has a lot to do with it. I am told that if you walk the sidewalks of London, you very rarely hear English. Wow, that's interesting. And I thought maybe they would replace this thing with an Anglophile treaty. So maybe they won't go back to EU, but maybe they'll join Australia, U.S., and Canada. Let's finish this conversation after the break. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Call me 800-WSB-TALK or 404-872-0750. You got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, and we're wrapping up in this last half hour of the show our conversation about the Brexit. It is, in many ways, if not unconditionally, a blow for liberty. I will give you that. I think smaller government closer to home is always better. I hate the march towards world government through the technique of regionalization, which is what that is. We're headed towards world government by these regions being set up uh, and stitched together. So I love the idea that these people came out and, uh, and voted to leave the EU. I have no faith in the political elite that they will do what the people want. They'll probably punish them for it. I think that. But there are lots of... Um, nuances i think we're going to see things unfold i think there's parallels between that and uh they're going to talk about oh we want to revote it's going to completely go lockstep in my vision of the future with the republican convention where people are already saying i want to i want to revote i want to i want to change my position as a delegate against trump i just think it's funny how these kind of psychological mechanisms can emerge at the same time in totally different places in the world and for different purposes, but very interesting in my opinion. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I am going to Lenny in Stone Mountain. Hi, Lenny, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, thanks for taking the call. I really enjoy your show. Awesome. What you got? Um, I, I like to think that I'm fairly well informed when it comes to political stuff, but I have to plead the fifth on uh, Europe, and I have a question for you. Um, is what Britain just did as far as voting to leave the European Union? Is that could that be any way uh, compared to something such as a state in the United States of America voting to secede from the Union? I had thought of that. I, I that thought definitely occurred to me because I looked at it. And I said, well, of course, it's obvious to everyone that this country has a right to secede from that union. And that's how I thought of it. The European Union, they were seceding from it. And they actually just, I think in uh, 1997 or 2007, some really recent, recent thing, they 
got this Article 50, which is the express right to leave the union, and it, it lays out a mechanism. And I felt that that it, it should be the same. And I've read, I read a book a while back that it, it was just understood that in the U.S., we had the right to secede that there were there were they were going to some of the northern states were going to secede over the 1812 war we're about to invade canada something like that and the government changed its policy because it didn't want people to states to secede so to me it's an obvious right a self-evident right which is why it probably wasn't in the constitution but it was in the eu thing Uh, well i i just like i said i don't know how things work over there in europe but to me it sounded almost like same, you know, like like if Texas was to secede, and if they did, if the people voted to secede, I know that just like you were talking a minute ago, the politicians in in D.C. would be coming down on them. Wouldn't allow it. Yeah, and well, of course, Lincoln invaded. You know, I I as a nor as a northerner, I when I first moved to Atlanta, I I was surprised that people would never talk about the issues behind the civil war. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just the people, maybe they didn't want to talk to me about it, but I felt regardless of the laws, the slavery, all the bad laws of the country, the States did have a right to secede and not be invaded or that there could have been a negotiated solution or whatever. But I'm just saying, it seemed to me obvious that you couldn't by force make people stay in a union, like actually kill people to make people stay in a union and this wouldn't take that much. All the, it's just the Parliament of the UK would have to say we're not doing it, and that would be that. Right. They, it would leave it up to the people to actually have a bloody revolution to change the way the Parliament is, uh, exercise this mandate. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I, I just was just was curious if there was any kind of comparison if somebody over here was to do that. I think I it is, and and I think that. somebody actually called me. Uh, called me. Wrote wrote me a tweet that said that uh, Tom Woods, who's a good libertarian, makes good podcasts from what I understand. I haven't listened to him, but I've read his work, and I do really like him. He said we should just call it secession, that we should call it secession to invoke that in people's minds. And I do think there is power in language, so maybe that is the way to do it. I'm going to go to Robert in Decatur. Hi, Robert. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Thanks for taking my call. I think it's two-pronged. Obviously, the economic issue is part of it. I think that although, and I, I do speak with some knowledge as I used to live in Europe, so I know a little bit about Europe. I don't know as much about the U.K., but although the United Kingdom was certainly European, they never really felt part of Europe. And I think that they had a right to say, we don't want these edicts coming down from Brussels across the channel to tell us how to sell our beef or what we should be doing. We're, we're not really part of Europe, but I think below the surface is obviously something you alluded to, which is the issue of um, uncontrolled immigration. I mean, the thought that a country, a sovereign country, cannot control its borders is quite frightening. And um, refugee, all he needs to do is get across the border into Turkey, and he now has open access across the continent and then across the channel to to Great Britain, and I think that, I don't think that that's fair, and that can be, I, I don't also think it's appropriate to call that racist. I think that countries have a, a right to determine their, their future and determine their culture, 
And many of these refugees, and particularly the Islamic religion, they do not share the same values of Europeans who happen to be quite liberal. They believe in the rights of man, they believe in the rights of women, and they um, pledge allegiance to a flag, not to Allah and not to their imam. And I think that's a very difficult uh, path for uh, the, uh, the refugees to take, and I think that many of these countries are quite small, and they say, we're not going to take this risk. And I do okay. think this has put them at risk. Yeah, okay. Let me uh, address some of that stuff. I, as a libertarian, I get a lot of flack for recognizing the real concerns people have about immigration. I, I do recognize the right to vote and to vote. I don't actually recognize the right to vote. I recognize the right to work and travel. But to me, I recognize objective rights. Don't touch me or my stuff. That's the law. Voting should not be allowed to take that away from me. And that is what this stuff is, is gets caught up with here is the voting. But but I would just say, I, I actually think the way demographics and technology develops when it's in a free market state without governments, uh, often captive governments captured by crony corporations, stuff like that, when they manipulate the the laws, when they manipulate the flows, when they have a welfare state, when they intervene in other countries, I see, and I think it is absolutely clear, if you really look, that this is coercive engineered migration, that they're actually doing it on purpose. So I don't have to violate my principles as a libertarian to see that immigration is used as a weapon, particularly over uh, in Europe. It's very clear. And I would also just address this idea of culture and culture clashes. I also as a libertarian, it's sometimes hard for people to understand what I'm saying when I recognize culture. I don't want to legislate it. I don't want to legislate social behavior. I don't want to legislate culture outside of don't touch me or my stuff and violating other people's rights. But I recognize it. And because as an anarcho-capitalist, I think of uh, a society as self-ordering that, that we do customarily come to ways of dispute resolution which doesn't require 50 percent taxes and the right to basically kill indiscriminately coming down from the modern state but how does that culture change when you take huge chunks of people from other places and transplant them well i'll tell you in the, in the natural state of free markets that would gradually bring in new labor, technologies would change, demographics would change, demands would change, that stuff happens. And as people are drawn in to work in these free markets from other cu cultures, they are people who chose it because they're not totally dedicated to their own culture. They're willing to change. They cannot bring a thousand people with them to create this little subculture. But you can if what you're really doing is coming to get welfare. So... So it's actually the government systems that are creating these problems. And uh, and then the people, you know, not everybody has the time to read a thousand books like I do and really think about the nuances of what's really going on. They just find that this is not working, that they can't communicate with the people in their neighborhood, that they don't understand the British concept of queuing, you know, which will make you crazy if you're British. It's just these little things that they see and maybe react to viscerally. And, and maybe that is what gets people off the couch. 
but you know, I'd like your reaction. I know that was a long thing, Robert. <laughs> but uh, well, I, 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 I think you. I'm not sure that I buy into the um, conspiracy. It sounds a little conspiratorial that Merkel or Hollande would actually want more Syrian refugees. Or oh refugees. yeah. Oh, I totally so, disagree with that. There's actually yeah, an academic I, book I called Coercive. That that's not true. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Coercive Engineered Migration by Kelly Greenhill is a very good book. She's super liberal, which is not my thing, but um, but it's it documents uh, ad nauseum this coercive engineered migration. Wow. But okay, go ahead. All right. Well, thank you very much. I'm uh, sorry, Robert. I'm sorry to uh, to cut you off. I just it's it is to me. Maybe it sounds conspiratorial, but power is it does exist. And it is used, and you can call it a conspiracy, but they do it for bigger picture reasons. Anthony and Marietta, I'm, uh, I probably over-talk, so I'm running up against the break, but I want you to be able to give me what you've got uh, in a nutshell. Uh, is this it? Yeah, Anthony, you're on uh, with Monica. Yeah, I, I just have a quick question with you. Uh, I, wonder, I wish I would have called earlier in the show because you can give me an end-up discussion, but I want to know why is it that you, when you run upon more educated people from, you know, higher education, Harvard, Yale, whatever, why is it so hard for them to grasp the concept of free market capitalism versus, say, a blue-collar? I mean, I'm no street guys that get it before someone that's of higher education does. What is that? I've noticed it, too. I went to Harvard and Stanford, and when I stopped working, I... Uh, had kids, whatever, and my husband doesn't care what I read, so I was reading whatever I want, you know, as opposed to my boss, who that you have to read what you have to read the newspaper all the time. And then when I opened my mind and realized what was going on, I went back to the people I knew before. They're like, uh, the system's just fine. It's working for me. They're committed to it, and they learned to operate in this massive bureaucracy. And and the street people are actually because especially if they're working in black markets where it's like uh, uh, illegal stuff, they know because there is no bureaucracy. It's just you got to give people what they want and get paid for it. Yeah, yeah, and they all, they also grew up in housing projects, which is as close as you can get to capitalism, socialism in this country. Oh yeah, because there's no connection between what you do and uh and what you get and that's and that's bad but but they'll but it's very quick see that's the thing people act like oh yeah uneducated people could not function in a free society you everybody just rises to what they need if if working welfare forms is how you're going to get money or working a bank charter is how you're going to get money or actually selling people something they want everybody will figure that out uh Wrapping it up after the break, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up, I am going to give Ricky Indicator. Ricky, you're on with Monica. I am going to give you the last word. One minute. What do you got? Why do you have people like, or such as Lindsay Rohan sticking their nose into business when it comes to politics like the the Europe and the Britain thing? You know, giving that two cents in on it when they should stick to what exactly what they do best, which is acting. I know. I think that they're all operatives anyway. I feel like they, I mean, Angelina Jolie and George Clooney are in the Council of Foreign Relations. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, I just yeah. think it's so controlled. You do? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that those people necessarily get told what to say, but they know, even if their agents have to tell them too stupid to just realize it, they know which side they're supposed to come out on. And I, I don't even understand why, why people do care so much, why people are getting vicious about it. Oh, you're a racist. You want the England to leave the EU. It's so crazy. 
Right. They should stick to what they do best, which is acting, not opining. That's what you guys are for. That's what radio TV talk shows are for. I mean, stay in their lane, you know what I'm saying? They should stay in their very own lane, right? I, I, I actually, you know, I love hearing from you. I really want to hear what people think. It's just my problem with that whole thing is that they know, I think, that they get they don't get jobs if they stray from the agenda, from the party line, and they're used. Uh, I mean, that's the thing that I find interesting about that is uh, they are used because of the way they can reach people. People trust them because of how they've presented themselves. I actually feel a little bit like Trump as the reality star really honed that ability to touch people in that way, even though what they're good for is not really their brains. What they're good for is their performances. But I think there's something about our brains that make us more open to these people we feel connected to that we can trust. But I have uh, continued this conversation all week long on my Facebook page. You can get to through my blog, MonicaPerezShow.com. I put my podcast out at the beginning of the week. And boy, do I tweet like crazy at Monica Perez Show. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.